Hello, you're listening to a new year of Drawn to the Flame. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hello, Peter. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Looking forward to an exciting 2019. Uh, 2018 seems to have gone on forever. Yeah. So it'd be nice yeah. if this year is just a year long. Just one year rather than being trapped in the labyrinth of time. Yeah. That would be perfect, yeah. Yeah, we've got some exciting things coming up this year. But I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we've also got a card that we've been allowed by FFG to announce to the community. Yeah, so yeah. this is always exciting when this happens. And really, really cool. We, we get to look through a little window into what's going to be in the next set and try and speculate as to how this fits in. I find with the Mythos packs, I try to speculate not very much at all because otherwise I'm just desperate to see all spoilers. But when a deluxe is on the way, it's quite nice to start thinking about what new investigators will get, what they'll play like, what cards might sort of come back into favour or fall out of favour and things like that. And I think this card is a really great illustration of that. Absolutely, yeah. The, the, the big box always has to introduce some new themes that we then carry through the rest of the cycle, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing we want to look at in this episode. We want to do a brief look at the investigators we know about in the next pack We'll hope to get this episode out before all of the cards are announced and our takes are completely stale and old. But yeah, hopefully we'll then just give give you, the listener, some of our reactions to the investigators coming up and some of our kind of very preliminary thoughts. Right, this card, who's going to read it? Uh, I can read it. I, I saw it first. Okay. <laughs> okay, so what we have is a mystic card. And I don't know what the tally is for Mystic Cards that FFG have sent us. At least three, right? Yeah, it's Maybe more. quite a few. Maybe it's because we're named after a Mystic Card. Anyway, it is a Mystic Card. It is a zero-cost event. It has a willpower and an intellect pip. And it is called Eldritch Inspiration, which is already quite evocative. Mm. It has the traits Spell and Spirit. And the text is fast. Play when you would resolve an effect on a mystic card that triggers when a skull, cultist, tablet, elder thing, or tentacle symbol is revealed. Either cancel that effect or resolve it an additional time. Blimey. The art is a woman with various bones and a sacrificial knife and a spellbook kneeling in the middle of a pentagram, except the angle that the art is painted from, it's from overhead. So she's like leaning backwards and her eyes are, I was going to say bloodshot, but they're just pure red, right? They're well, just... they're glowing yellow and, and, and the art is quite muted in the colours. The colours are quite cool. So her eyes like pop out of the image right at you. Uh, it's, it's an awesome bit of art. Yeah, it's really striking. So obviously my first question to you, Frank, is what cards have an effect that triggers when we reveal a skull, a cultist, a tablet, an elder thing, or a tentacle symbol. I'm so glad you asked, Peter. But just before we do that, what my question to you is, what one piece of information have you not provided about this card that our listeners might want to know? Oh, no. Um... That's right, Peter. It's that it's zero XP as well. Yes. Okay. Right. Right. That was that's sort yeah, yeah. of yeah. <laughs> that was by, by omission. <laughs> zero cost, zero XP. Yes. Yeah. Just a small thing if you're wondering. This is a zero cost, zero XP event, which is kind of bananas. Okay. So it has to be Mystic cards. So I always get so tangled up with these cards that care about the color of the other cards you're playing. But luckily, this has to be Mystic cards, and that means. We're more or less limited to spells. Spells seem to care about that. So your shriveling, your blinding light, your right of seeking. And then there are probably a couple of other things that care, like ritual candles or the jewel of Aureolus that cares about it, or the Chthonian stone. I'm not quite sure if that one works, but yeah. So there aren't too many. I think there are 23, and that includes some higher XP cards as well but basically it's the the main bracket of cards that cares is spells because they normally have an effect triggering off those special symbol tokens is that fair to say yes absolutely yeah and let's look at the first part of the effect first which is that we can cancel an effect that triggers when we reveal one of those special symbols Uh, the Mm -hmm. card that springs instantly to mind 
to me, Frank, is right of seeking. Mm. So if, if yeah. you reveal a, a special symbol while taking a test on right of seeking, it ends your turn. Yeah. And you lose all remaining actions. You lose all which remaining actions. Which, yeah, and, and in fact, when we play with right of seeking, we're often spending those additional actions in your turn. You only aim to use right of seeking once or try and get lucky and use it twice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because losing actions really sucks. That, I think, was part of the strength of Counterspell when it came out, because that reads play when you reveal any of those tokens during a skill test, you just cancel that chaos token in its entirety. This card, Eldritch Inspiration, only cancels the effect of revealing the token, but it doesn't actually cancel the modifier. But you could see that Counterspell would maybe be the next logical step if that was really something you cared about doing, of not being hit by negative token effects. Yes, the, the comparison with Counterspell is, is interesting, actually. interesting. Counterspell costs two and two experience, mm. but it is... It works at any on any investigator at your location or any skill test at your location. Mm. Yeah, uh, and it, any it, card, any card, not just Mystic, and it cancels all the effects related to that symbol. So mm. I guess if you're playing Counterspell and you're finding you're using it not on spells that often, then Eldritch Inspiration isn't gonna isn't gonna fill that hole. But if you're using Counterspell to stop Right of Seeking or, or Shriveling Level Five from crippling you, then this is a zero cost and zero experience version of that effect. Mm, which I, yeah. think, I think feels good right yeah I, spending a card to to cancel two horror is not too bad like for shriveling level five and definitely spending a card to continue your turn feels reasonable in those clutch turns where yeah the ideal as a mystic is that you play in such a way that you only use right of seeking last action but that's not always the case so sometimes you just want to gamble and this this shores that up we should mention at this point as well that cancelling effects is something that we're going to care about with one particular investigator coming up. So maybe we should just mention Diana Stanley at this point. Well, we'll talk about Diana in in more depth in a few minutes. But basically, if she cancels an effect, then she gains a bonus to her willpower. Yeah. There's some other wrinkles around how it works and, and, and why you might want to do that. But we'll, we'll cover those later, mm. as you said. And we don't yet know what her deck building is. But one of the challenges will obviously be getting enough cards in her deck that have cancellation or ignore effects so that you can boost her willpower to the point where you want it to be. Mm. So having a card like this that I think, you know, on first blush, this doesn't seem a, a sort of stellar card, but I think it's a it's a, a decent effect. But having it where you can then get something more out of its effect in Diana could be really potent. Yeah. I suppose the other person who might like it as well is is if you're playing Agnes and you're wanting to take horror to damage enemies, there might be a point where actually you've taken too much horror and you don't want to take any more horror and then using your shriveling starts to become risky. Yeah. And you'd either be using a different weapon or trying not to fight or things like You know, sometimes it can go a bit wrong. Maybe you've pulled a tentacle on a rotting remains and you've ended up with more horror than you planned to take. Or There are situations, aren't there, where you just... The, the risks around using spells are such that actually suddenly you wish you had a bit more of a contingency plan to protect you. And this could could fit into that space. Uh, so the, the thing we haven't talked about is the other side of the effect, which mm, is yeah. you can or, is resolve an effect an additional time. So, you know, sick of having your turn end with right of seeking, you could have your turn end twice with right of seeking. <laughs> it's a bargain at the same time. for zero cost. Yeah, and similarly with shriveling, you could take two horror when you don't have to upgrade to the level five shriveling. You could just take two horror. Worth noting that, of course, Agnes's ability is limit once per phase. Yes. So you couldn't use this card to get two pings of damage out of a level zero shriveling. No, I'm I'm obviously being glib. What are the cards that we might want to double the effects of? Well, at the moment, they're pretty. There's, there's not many. We've got Hypnotic Gaze, which I think is probably the best one to use this on. So Hypnotic Gaze dodges an attack, but if you reveal a special token, and you just reveal a token, it, it's not a test. Mm-hmm. It deals the damage of that attack back to the enemy itself. So affectionately known as stop hitting yourself. So so double damage, especially if it's a two or three damage enemy, it could just straight up kill a big enemy, right? Mm, yeah. 
Certainly. The ideal is like on an enemy that hits for two damage and two horror, you're cancelling that big hit, you know, the ghoul priest or something. You're cancelling the hit and then the ghoul priest is ending up, if you can luck out and hit the special so can hitting itself for four, which is like really good. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's especially nice if you're using something like Olive McBride to reveal more tokens as well to help guarantee or, or, yes. or Dark Prophecy. Can you use Dark Prophecy with Hypnotic Gaze? I think you probably can. I think so. It's yeah, just, when it's just, you're... just when you reveal a chaos token. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's one hypnotic gaze. There's also the jewel of Aureolus, which triggers mm-hmm. when you you reveal a special token that draws you a card or gains you two resources. Don't think that's necessarily a great use of this card. So spending a card to gain yeah. two resources. I have a question about that as well because that's a reaction that says exhaust the jewel. Does yes. the do you think the resolving it an additional time? works in that case you'd reveal a skull say and you exhaust the jewel to draw a card or gain a resource and then i suppose you can you res- resolve you're resolving the effect would... you're not paying the cost yeah so yeah. i would say so okay so i mean the lovely thing about that is it's draw one card or gain two resources so that that i think is the the effect so you could draw one card and gain two or draw two cards or gain four yeah I think those are all the combinations. You got you get a choice for the additional time as well, which is nice. There's also uh, I'm just running down the list here. Um, technically, ritual candles fits into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could use Eldritch Inspiration to gain an additional plus one to a test if you've revealed a special token. Um, yeah, I'm not convinced that will ever come up in anyone's game, but you know it's there. It's there. I suppose at that point it's acting as a like a really weak. And very situational lucky. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Where if you're two below a threshold and you hit a skull and say skulls are minus one or whatever it is, your your ritual candles no skulls would need to be minus two at that point. So your ritual candles then make the skull a minus one for you, and then you play Eldritch Inspiration to trigger that effect again. And at that point, you're essentially just committing the Eldritch Inspiration, but it's it's working out as a as a plus two. Super super niche. <laughs> Yeah, the other card that's worth looking at is Song of the Dead. And I, I, I think this works with Eldritch Inspiration uh, because it's an aura effect on all, all of those symbols. Mm-hmm. So if we reveal a skull, Song of the Dead triggers to give us an additional two damage. We use Eldritch Inspiration to deal another two damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know a few yeah. people are looking again at it, Song of the Dead with uh, Olive being out. So yes. doing a, a, yeah. a bag revealing gym deck. You know, you've got Dark Prophecy in there as well. So... Yeah, you know. Yeah, and just any of the sort of seal-style things that make the likelihood of hitting skulls greater, you know, that's always been the downside of Song of the Dead, that that maybe you have Song of the Dead alongside Shriveling as a fighter, and you might fight first with Song of the Dead, hope to hit a skull, and if you don't, you then shrivel to do the remaining couple of damage. So you're sort of always gambling with Song of the Dead. But with this, you know, you could, you could go overkill, couldn't you? You could be fighting a five health enemy, attack with Song of the Dead, hit a skull, use Eldritch Inspiration and do five damage. Yeah. Kind of kind of beastly. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. But it, it, note that the trumpet, you, this doesn't work on the trumpet, although it's a similar mm. wording of effect. The trumpet uh, is a neutral card. It's not a mystic card. Yes. Yeah. So there we go. It's a shame. Do it. An Eldritch-inspired toot on your trumpet. Mm. Yeah, so that's Eldritch Inspiration. I, I'm really looking forward to slotting it in. I think Diana might like it. Maybe Agnes, Jim, or anyone doing sort of bag seal things could could get some, some leeway out of it as well. It seems, it seems flexible enough. It'll be interesting to see it played. I'm interested to see if some cards that have positive effects based off a token reveal show up in the big box and in the cycle as well. Because I think yeah. that the more of those we get, the more I like this card. Yeah, yeah. And I'll level with you. I thought we had more than we did. And when I sat down to think about this card, when I'd seen that resolve it additional time clause, I thought, oh, yeah, there's a bunch there. And there really aren't that many. So it would be really interesting to... <laughs> i said interesting like 15 yeah, I know, times I know. now. But, but you're, you're right. I think if, if you've got a deck which has Song of the Dead and Hypnotic Gaze in and then does some bag reveal stuff, I think it's I think it's good and it's worth putting in. Yeah. Even one or two more cards that have positive effects around the special symbols 
might up the strength of this card a lot. It's quite win more in that instance, isn't it, then? You've, you're already putting in the the cards that care about the tokens, and then this is a way of adding more value out when you hit those special tokens. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Okay, should we move on to the meat of the episode? Oh, just b- before we do, just thanks again to FFG for sending us the card to have a read through. It's always terrific to get one. It's nearly as good as opening a pack itself, isn't it? And having the card in front of you. Next best thing. So who's the first investigator from the box we're going to talk about, Frank? Just to explain what we wanted to do, listener, as I mentioned earlier, we wanted to just look at the investigators. At the moment, there are five announced, and the, the working theory that we have a pretty strong hunch about is that there'll be six in total. But until we see the six officially announced by FFG, we won't say anything. It might even be by the time this episode goes live, it's been announced. Anyway, I I thought we'd start very nice and simple and just talk about Carolyn, because we've done Carolyn episodes before, and so she's not a complete surprise to the community, but we now see what her original signatures should be, and I I wanted to hear what you thought about them. Yeah, uh, we've known what these have been called for some time, because they're on the back of the, Mm. the alternate Carolyn card. So yeah, as you said, we did a, an extensive episode on Carolyn, although geared towards solo play. So if you're interested mm-hmm. in hearing us talk more about Carolyn, that's probably a good place to go to. Yeah. However, uh, what we have... Do, do you want to read out the cards, Frank, or do you want me to? Uh, I'll, I'll read. You read Eldritch Inspiration. Okay, so we have it. Hypnotic Therapy, which is a two-cost asset. It's got Willpower, Intellect, and Wild icons. It's a talent, and it has two bits of text. One is an action. You exhaust it and test Intellect 2. If you succeed, heal one horror from an investigator at your location. Then that investigator may draw one card. And then the follow-up part is a reaction which says after one of your other card effects heals horror from an investigator, exhaust hypnotic therapy, that effect heals one additional horror. So this just basically plays into Carolyn's strengths, right? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That she wants to heal horror off of the players because... Combined with her reaction ability, you can spend an action to heal a horror, give someone a resource, and let them draw a card. Yeah. Which feels good. And the issue is going to be your allies having enough horror for you to be able to keep hypnotizing them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, yeah, yeah, that's something to consider, I guess. Make sure your allies are taking horror. She makes a fantastic pair of Ragnus, doesn't she? She can she self hypnotize as well. I think she can. She can, yeah, yeah, which is good. She does make it an incredible pairing with Agnes. It's true, and just really handy. This ability giving out the resources is great as well. Note that the two the two effects are exclusive, so because they both mm. require you to exhaust hypnotherapy. Yes, uh, and they both only work when you're healing horror off an investigator as well. So you, you can't double heal with Pete. But, you know, mm, yeah, I see what you mean. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's good. And I think it, it, yeah, as I said, it plays into the core strength of, of Carolyn, which is that you want to be healing horror off your allies. Uh, and it gives them yet more of a, of a boost for. So, so even if Carolyn isn't contributing as much to the team in terms of she's got, well, she'll have cards in her deck for healing horror, naturally. Mm. Although she's dedicating card slots to that, what that's meaning is that the rest of your team can don't have to commit those resources to checks to avoid horror or evading enemies and things like that. Mm, uh, yeah. Especially if she yeah. also takes some physical healing tools as well. So I think that there's there's, an, there's a good argument to have a support, a more supporting character in the mix in a team. Yeah, uh, I think she, so she'll, too. She'll, you know, she really boosts the tempo of the rest of the team as she's healing horror. Yeah, and the boost she provides, you've sort of you've alluded to there. I want to really pin it down. It means other investigators can push harder and take on the chin things that they otherwise wouldn't feel comfortable taking on the chin because they know that they'll get, you know, the 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 damage and the horror will get mopped up by the supporting character. In the same way that you might have a guardian who's normally in the combat role not do very much early in a scenario because they're just tooling up. This is this is a similar thing where you can kind of push yourself early on, maybe take a tax of opportunity because you know that you'll get patched up later on. Which, yeah, it's really good. Uh, worth noting as well the um, the reaction ability, the fact that it's additional horror. It doesn't mean you get an additional resource. It just means that the the amount that gets healed is increased by one, and her her ability says that after you 
heal horror they just gain one resource they don't gain one per heal if that makes sense but it's still it's still good you know and rather than maybe if you were really relying on getting hypnotic therapy down rather than packing your deck with horror healing you'd have a few select strong cards and heal in bigger dose doses you know heal two or three at a time that could be really strong and her weakness okay so her weakness is rational thought uh which is a flaw it has uh, revelation put rational thought into play in your threat area with four horror on it Horror on Rational Thought may be healed as if it were on Carolyn Fern. If there is no horror on Rational Thought, discard it. You cannot heal horror from cards other than Rational Thought. You cannot gain resources from Carolyn Fern's reaction ability. Mm. So this is a, a relatively straightforward, like, I cancel your inbuilt ability until you, you deal with it sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not too bad. I think if, if you're carrying, if you're doing a, a you know, a horror healing Carolyn, it shouldn't be too difficult to clear it. It'll be a couple of cards. Yeah. You know, whether you've got, I don't know, Fearless or, or even using uh, Hypnotic Therapy to heal two mm. horror off it. Well, if you have Liquid Courage as well, Liquid Courage with Hypnotic Therapy is a three horror heal for a single willpower test. So you could do that. I like the idea that she gets trapped in this idea of rational, of thinking rationally and not believing what's happening. So she just mm. downs a pit flask, <laughs> and then she's, then she's fine to go again. <laughs> yeah, I've got to find that imaginative place one more, once more. I I also like like in terms of story, I like the idea that when she's thinking rationally, she's not gaining resources from Carolyn's ability, like her ability, which makes you think like, what are the resources that she's giving people when she's healing their horror? Because it's certainly not an understanding of the mythos, because that. Yeah, it's it's strange to me. It's very slippery, but I like it. Yeah. So I, I think these two cards together, they paint a picture of a kind of dedicated healing Carolyn, right? You, yes. You've got, yeah. I've got no experience playing Carolyn because I, I, I don't have a... Yeah. No, and you're, you're right. And, and it, I think also a much more straightforward Carolyn where your role is very clear. They don't, you know, for me, they don't provide anything that I got particularly excited about in terms of what we talked about for solo, Carolyn. There was no like, oh, wow, this really changes how you play solo. They're just, they're, they're pretty straightforward, I would say. Yes, yes. And she's probably the, the most straightforward of the investigators. So let's yes. let's move to the more... Esoteric. <laughs> tricky customers, yeah. Who's next? So we have Rita Young, who's the athlete. So she has uh, three willpower, two intellect, three combat, and five agility. She's mm. miskatonic traited. Uh, reaction, after you evade an enemy, either deal one damage to that enemy or move to a connecting location. Limit once per round. Elder sign effect, plus two. Until the end of the round, ignore the limit on the above reaction ability. And she has nine health and five sanity. You got a bone to pick? Fine by me. I don't need your permission to leave you in the dust. I've realised we haven't made the big caveat that I had in my head to make, which is that at the time of recording, we don't know the deck building for any of these yes. <laughs> following four investigators well, yeah, that we're yeah. going to discuss. We know Carolyn, and we know the the announcement article for Rita. It said survivor cards and tricks. Mm. So we, we don't know in detail. What we can do is talk about... Well, we'll talk about some tricks, because I think there's a couple of tricks that work really well with her, uh, and then any other cards that work well with her. Mm. Yeah. But if you're listening to this after the Circle Undone is out and wondering why we're not talking specifically about her deck building, this is why. Yes. <laughs> so she's the first investigator we've got with five agility, mm-hmm. which is pretty exciting. Very exciting. Five and all the other stats, but not five agility. So are we going to want to be evading with her? I mean, her reaction ability triggers when we evade an enemy. So the answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big clue that she wants to be evading a lot. Yeah. And her reaction gives you a bit more of an option when you evade as well. You know, one of the criticisms of evasion is it's sort of sinking actions into something that net, that can come back to bite you if you actually haven't fully dealt with the enemies by killing them. And this gives you a way of doing that. During the last cycle, we had Stunning Blow that came out, mm, which was yeah. a skill card that had a, a combat icon. And that was if it was successful during an attack on an enemy, uh, you evaded the enemy as well. Yeah. And, and we liked that card when we reviewed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Rita's got that basically built in, except it's the other way around. It's when she evades, she 
attacks them for one damage, not when you attack them, you also evade them. So, I don't know. If you were to do an attack with her and commit stunning blow, you're essentially committing a vicious blow at that point? Yes, yes, because you... Because you'd land land the attack and get an evade, which could be another damage if you wanted it to be. So she has a way of adding more damage into Survivor, which is a faction that always wants more additional damage if it can find it. And it also makes anything that automatically evades do an automatic damage as well. So Stray Cat is a good example. Mm, just yes. fire off the cat and then that's a damage to the enemy or a free move. Yeah. So instantly make Stray Cat, which I think people aren't that fond of. I think it's a disposable ally that uses up the ally slot. So people yes, aren't usually yeah. fond of playing that. But, you know, I think Rita, it will really see a look in. Unless Rita also takes Pete Sylvester, who I think fits in quite well with her as well. That's always the challenge with Stray Cat. You could take Stray Cat, or you could take an ally that heals horror and boosts agility anyway, meaning that you might not need the Stray Cat. Yeah. Maybe maybe you reach a a Charisma Rita point where she's got her pet Stray Cat and her college sweetheart both boosting. Quite possibly, because, I mean, Pete level two in Rita, considering she's only got five sanity... And it puts mm, her on yeah. four willpower and six agility. I think that's that's a, that's almost too juicy to pass up. Yeah, very, very defensive at that point. Should we take a quick look at her signature cards as well? Yeah, let's. let's. Do you want to read this first one? And it does have a quote on the name. A quote and an exclamation mark. No, no, go, go for it, go for it. It's called, I'm done running. It's a zero cost event, combat, agility and wild icons. It's fast, play only during your turn. Ready and engage all enemies at your location. For the remainder of your turn, whenever you evade an enemy, instead of exhausting and disengaging from that enemy, you may deal it one damage. All other effects of the successful evasion still apply. Sorry, just just noticing actually that the icons on I'm Done Running are Combat Agility Wild. On Hypnotic mm-hmm. Therapy, they're Willpower Intellect Wild. So I'm yeah. just scrolling down to see what the icons are on the other signature cards and seeing if they're yeah. similarly relevant to the investigator. And I think they are. That's interesting. I don't know whether that's a clue then that uh, we need to be fighting and running with Rita. It also gives you a hint at her her pairing, that she might pair well with Carolyn, who, who could maybe handle those other stats. And she could do the kind of physical heavy lifting and Carolyn could do the cluing and healing of her... Yeah, paltry sanity. Yeah, they might yeah. make quite a nice pair. So this card, though, is I got really stuck around this. So when you, essentially you play it, and your evades instead of the result of an evade being an exhaust and a disengage, it's a damage instead. And Rita's ability says that after you evade an enemy, you also get to deal it damage. So with this, you turn her ability into a two damage first evade, and then for further evades, they would be. A damage and a move, if you wanted it to be, or things like damage or no, not a damage and move. Damage. It wouldn't be a damage or a move because yeah, it'll just it'll just be damage from I'm done running. Yes. So if you have one enemy engaged with you, you could play it and go evade for two damage, evade for another damage, evade for a fourth damage. You could do four damage. Yeah. To an enemy, or do say damage, damage, move away. Although it would still be engaged, engaged you... with you, so there's not that much yeah, point in doing yeah. it. Yeah. It's. But, but I mean, it, there's a it, it real actually, clue in the it, title, isn't it? I'm done running. You're you're using it at that point when actually you can't evade any longer, and you suddenly want to turn your evasion into just damage to get rid of things. I like that it engages all enemies at your location as well. So it, it's it's like a built-in taunt, uh, which which, yeah, which can yeah. be helpful. What I really like about it is that it then means effects that evade multiple enemies at your location in Rita become more effective and they deal deal damage to multiple enemies. Mm, so something yeah. like Survival Instinct, level 2, which will evade two enemies at your location. Yeah, all of enemies at your location, yeah. Oh, is it additional enemy? It's yeah. additional enemy at level 1, at level 0, isn't it? Uh, at level 0, it's, it's evade 1 and disengage from right, the rest okay. and move. And at level 2, it's evade all of them. There you go. So, yeah. And then, you know, the, the other two cards that spring to mind are Cunning Distraction and Fire Extinguisher. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm smiling and grinning at this end, listener. I'm really liking that. And I actually want to loop back to Stray Cat. If you're fighting a five health enemy, 
Stray Cat gives you a free evade as well. It's not an action. Mm-hmm. So that's just an extra point of damage at that point. So you could, as I described, do the like evade for two damage, evade for one damage, evade for one damage. You're at four damage of five and then sack off your Stray Cat and that's another damage. You can even leave the Stray Cat to outside of your turn. Hang on, let me have a look. Yes, when I'm done running, stops taking effect. Yeah. And then you can still trigger uh, Rita's ability. After Hunter's enemy, Hunter enemies move, say. Well, or, or on another player's turn, because Stray Cat is just oh, yeah, a, in, yeah. a, in a free window, isn't it? Yes, sorry, I was in my uh, solo yes, play well, quite where yeah. after your turn was the enemy phase. <laughs> yes, well, yeah. I mean, either way it works. There'll be a window after your turn before enemies yeah. attack where you can use Stray yeah. Cat. Mm-hmm. So what you could do is still evade the enemy that's engaged with you if you're not going to kill it. Yeah. Uh, and then either yeah. move away from it or deal it an extra damage. As well, yeah, as, the, that's as, really as, well as the effect of disengaging and exhausting it. And to loop that round, you, you mentioned cunning distraction. That that becomes like an AoE damage card, right? Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. somehow ended up with four enemies engaged with you and you play a cunning distraction, you do one damage to each of them. Which is, it's like a mini dynamite blast, I suppose. Yes, yeah. There was a couple of us, I think, was it Cheap Shot was okay? Mm, yeah, the, we should look at tricks, shouldn't we? There aren't too many tricks. It's a very limited pool. 14 of them in total. So Cheap Shot gives you... Uh, you add your agility to the attack. So suddenly she's fighting at uh, 8. Mm-hmm. And she'll deal a damage. If she succeeds, she evades the enemy and deals another damage. So that's... I mean, I, I don't know that that's great, but it's there. Yeah, I think that's... That's pretty decent as an, another option for getting more damage out of your ability. Yeah. The other ones I think of are a bait and switch, which gives you a bonus when you evade where you can actually move an enemy somewhere else. It's a one cost event. I've, re- I've re- rarely used bait and switch, but particularly if you want to be doing a mobile Rita where you're maybe evading an enemy, pushing it one direction and using your move ability, you could actually get quite a lot of distance from hunter enemies. Could be very nice. Yeah. I think, to my mind, I, I, I'm conscious we don't want to spend too long on any of these investigators because this is going to take forever for you to yeah. edit, Frank. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, Rita that's could right. definitely play the role of what I would maybe call a tank. And I know people use the word tank without for different different people use it for different reasons or meaning different things. Mm. What she can do, I think, is control the enemies quite well, even if she's not fighting and killing them all. And she's mm. certainly got options to help with the fighting. Especially if you come up with a with a chunky enemy towards the end of the scenario that you need to kill to progress, she can still help with that because she's not got a bad fight score, and especially with some of yep. the weapons in in Survivor, and she can use some of her evading tricks to also deal damage. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And her weakness is Hoods, which is a three 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 enemy that's alert and a hunter, and it says after you evade Hoods, it attacks you. So Hoods is, is really mean. It's, a, it's actually because... a pretty nasty enemy. A 333 is, is, is relatively nasty as well. Yeah, yeah. If you evade it and if, to try to evade it and fail, you get hit from alert. If you evade it and succeed, you get hit. It's Yeah, it's it's tricky. So, Notably, it doesn't have retaliate. Yes. So, so, it, it, so maybe it the way to deal to with it... Confront them and kill them that way then rather than keep running away from them. Mm, yeah, which is great in a in an investigator where her natural inclination is to run away from everything. She's got five agility to have a weakness that says if you run away from me, we'll hurt you. Yes, which yeah, I love it. I love it. Also suggests you shouldn't you shouldn't skimp on putting weapons in Rita because they're probably worth having some good strong baseball bats or fire axes to smash the hoods. Next up. Yes. Who have we got next, Frank? It's Diana Stanley, the redeemed cultist. What does she do? Tell me what she Am does. Am I reading again? Yeah. 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 No, I, I, <laughs> so she's I got one. Research, yeah. Okay, yeah. But I read, I read two of the signatures. That's fine. Right. She has one willpower, and she is a mystic. She has three intellect, three combat, and three agility. So like almost the perfect rounded stats, but not quite. But she gets plus one willpower for each card beneath her, and she's Cultist and Silver Twilight traded. Reaction. After a card you own cancels or ignores a card effect or game effect, if there are fewer than five cards beneath Diana Stanley, 
place that card face down beneath her, draw one card, and gain one resource, limit once per phase. Her Elder Sign effect is also a plus two. You may choose a card beneath Diana Stanley and add it to your hand. She has seven health and seven sanity. So she's a bit of a weird one, isn't she? <laughs> a mystic with one willpower. <laughs> it's a lot of text. A lot of text. Yeah. yeah. So what we want to do with Diana really is cancel as many effects as we can. <laughs> so potentially her willpower goes up to, if there are fewer than five, so she, it goes up to six willpower. Mm. What we want to do as early as possible, if we're going to play her like a regular mystic, is get at least two or three cards underneath her. Mm. Um, yeah. I'd say I'd say three minimum, really. What is curious is you can also bring those cards back to your hand. I mean, the classic cancel card would be something like Ward of Protection, which, as yeah. we all know, is a great card. <laughs> I rarely make a Mystic deck without it. And you've got yeah. the chance here, if you draw Elder Signs, to recycle those Ward of Protections. Yeah. That longevity for cancellation cards could be potentially stellar yeah imagine if the only cancel card you run in your deck is ward of protection but you see it early cancel a treachery early and then take other tests where you hit elder signs even if you're not doing the normal mystic thing of playing spells and fighting with them and and getting clues with them just the fact that you could maybe play three or four ward of protections it takes her up to sephina level of beastly i tell you what can we just look at one of her she's got two signature cards and one weakness if we just Mm. look at one of them in particular, I think it, it gives us a bit, sheds a bit more light on her. Uh, and this is a two-cost sure. event called Dark Insight. And I bet you can't guess what okay. the trait is. Uh, dark? No, no. Try again. Okay. Uh, insight. insight, correct. This has a Diana Stanley deck only. And it says, fast, play when an investigator at your location draws an encounter card or a weakness. Cancel all of that card's effects and shuffle it back into its deck. Do not draw a new card to replace it. That's good. It's it's a ward of protection that also works on any look any weakness or encounter card at your location. Mm-hmm. Unlike ward of protection, which is just ones that you draw, unless you upgrade ward of protection, and it doesn't deal horror. Mm-hmm. And crucially, it goes underneath Diana. That's yeah. not the crucial part. It cut that out, Frank. Right. What I was going to say is, in the announcement article for The Circle Undone, mm, it, yes. it hinted yeah. that you start the game with Dark Insight in your hand. Uh, this has caused some confusion, because you'd, if you're Safina, it says your 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 opening hand instructions are on the front of her card. And same with Ashcan Pete, with yeah. Duke. And none of that is on the front of Diana Stanley's card. But her there is a lot of text on the front of her card already, so it wouldn't surprise me to see that on the back under the deck building instructions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it could say you start the game with this in your hand. I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. We'll have to wait and see. We also don't know. This This might be a two of or a three of card in her deck. We don't know. It's very powerful, but there's a possibility that because she's been in the cult, she has multiple copies of this event in her deck. Yeah. Yeah. And that would really play into her strengths boost that willpower up pretty quickly. I'd love if she has access to Guardian, because I always think of Diana as sort of taking the fight back to the mythos, and there are a few cancel and ignore effects in Guardian, like Dodge or Heroic Rescue, things like that, that you could also see feed into her. So maybe she her starting role would be fighting and sort of going around and, and basically shrugging off treacheries with cancellation and hitting enemies and then as her willpower builds up she'd transition into being more spell slinging and essentially embrace the cult that she's tried so hard to leave which would be thematic yeah she's really exciting to me i'm really looking forward to trying her out yeah yeah me too absolutely she's also got a signature which is the twilight blade worth noting for icons that's willpower combat and wild so again hinting at a sort of fairly that I think Agnes is, I think it's um, Heirloom of Hyperborea that has the same icons. Oh, so right, okay, yeah. Sort of give that, that role of, like, magic and hitting things. We're not going to look at that in full. And then her weakness is Terrible Secret, which says, Revelation, if there are no cards beneath Diana Stanley, shuffle Terrible Secret back into your deck. Otherwise, for each card beneath Diana Stanley, you must either discard that card or take one horror. 
cannot be cancelled. So Dark Insight won't protect your terrible secret. And if you've built up to that dream six willpower... Yeah, it's going to hurt. You draw this and you're either taking five horror or losing some of those cards. When I first looked at this card, I thought this was her looking in the mirror. But on, on mm. closer inspection, there's no reflection of the torch. It's, and it's, it's her looking through a window at something. She's like at a lodge meeting and she's gone out into the garden and then looked in through the window. I noticed there's a, there's a prominent splatter of blood on the window as well. So Ugh. she's obviously... Seen, yeah, on the inside of the window. Yeah, seeing wow. something terrible and secretive. It's very good. So that's Diana. I think for me, you, you asked recently our patrons which investigator they were most excited about for Circle Undone. I think we've had the longest time to think about Diana and she still seems like such a mystery to me. And that's why I'm probably looking forward to her the most. Just because, yeah, finding out what her deck could be like and working out how it really feels to play her could be completely fascinating. I'm really looking forward to it. Who's next? Next we have Preston Fairmont, the millionaire. So he, he's the rogue for this uh, this cycle. His stats are uh, interesting, to say the least. He has one willpower, <laughs> one intellect, one combat, and one agility. His traits are Silver Twilight, same as Diana, and Socialite. Have we seen a Socialite yet? No, first. Anytime you gain one or more resources from a card effect, place them on family inheritance instead of in your resource pool. Elder Sign okay. effect, plus zero. You may spend two resources to automatically automatically succeed instead. He has uh, seven health and seven sanity. My money, my legacy, mm. my problem. Let me handle it in my own way. So, nice. should we look straight away at family inheritance and see what that says? Yeah, I want to come back to that elder sign effect, but cool. family inheritance. So first. this has this is family inheritance. It's a unique asset. It has no cost, uh, a windfall or a burden. It has the trait boon, and it is permanent. Preston Fairmont deck only. Action. Move all resources from this card to your resource pool. Forced. When your turn begins, place four resources from the token pool on this card. Resources on this card may be spent as if they were in your resource pool. Discard all resources from this card at the end of your turn. So mm. this, the way this works is, if you're playing as, as Preston, you don't have any money on hand. Mm. Most of your money is tied up in your family inheritance this, that's that's the best way, the, the way to think about it is thematically that all of his money is in tied up in trust funds or whatever. So he has to spend the time to draw out that cash if he wants to. Yeah, you play your emergency cash, and all that happens is that your trust fund gets yes. bigger. You can spend an action to gain a resource straight into your resource pool. I can't imagine mm -hmm. Preston will do that often because you might as well just take the money off your inheritance. Mm -hmm. And the money you gain, the resource you gain at the end of your turn in the upkeep phase, that goes into your resource pool as well. Yes. So his resource pool will slowly increase, but his inheritance gains a huge amount of interest every turn. So if you can spend, and you can spend that money as if it was in your pool. So if you can spend four resources mm. every turn, then, you know, great. Yeah, your your actual resource pool just dribbles up slowly, but then your family inheritance pool is just huge every turn. Yes but only up to four. Yeah. If you were to play with Lone Wolf Preston, you'd start your turn, and if you started by yourself, you'd gain a resource, but it's from a card effect, so it would go on family inheritance at the same time as your turn beginning. So then you'd have five resources on there every turn. Sort of Preston going it alone with only his family inheritance That's to it. look after when, him. When I yeah. started this game, all I had was the shirt on my back and a million pounds in my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 he is my most, uh, the one I'm looking forward to playing most in this cycle because he's so different from what we've seen. The, the comparison mm. I've made is he's a bit like Nasir in Netrunner, that his resources work in a fundamentally different way to everyone else. Uh, and what you, I think that the card that would obviously, obviously spring to mind to work with Preston is something like Streetwise. Although his stats are really low, he can afford to boost his stats mm. far more than everyone else can. So if you're even if you're playing as Jenny, if you've got a couple of turns where you want to pile a load of resources into Streetwise, that will wipe out your resource pool. Mm. So even playing as someone rich, even if you play like a, a hot streak, that money will go surprisingly quickly. Mm. Do you do you agree? Yeah. Is that I do agree, and I'm really glad you mentioned hot streak because 
not only does he make you think about resources differently, but he's a rogue. And one of the things we know about rogues is that they have various cards like Lone Wolf or Hot Streak that generate them resources or, you know, or watch this and the sort of the gambling element. And Preston interacts with all of those cards in a different way where they, they're less efficient for him because if you pay three and get ten with Hot Streak, that ten then ends up on Family Inheritance and you're going to need to spend another action to get it off Family yeah, Inheritance. Yeah. Because if you don't, it's gone at the end of the turn. Yes, unless, unless you can spend 10 in a turn, then yeah, you need an extra mm. action. So he, he increases the number of actions you need. Yeah, and so paying 3 for for 14 with Hot Streak, but it being a double action, mm. is it's not quite as good. It's, it's just a little bit less efficient. So he makes those cards a little bit worse, but then maybe the way he uses them is anyway different the other thing the article hinted at was that he had access to survivor cards yes and we've mentioned this before but it'd be nice to sort of say it out loud the idea of then that you might want to lean into air quotes a poor preston where you're relying on his money from the family inheritance to pay for things but it's not in your resource pool so you could be dark horsing or madame lebranching or using fire axe can can we can we all of the things second on fire axe one of the things the article suggested was that Preston doesn't have access to illicit cards. So, mm, so yeah, good in the point as well. Pool, that's all of the weapons are illicit. Yeah. Am I right there? I can't think of any non- non-illicit Yeah, no knuckle duster Preston, I can't believe uh, so it. So if he wants weapons, he's going to have to go either neutral or into Survivor. Mm. And Firax, I think, is, is an interesting example of how his ability would work, which is... So one of the issues when you use Fire Axe is that if you need to use it more than once in a turn, if you've got a three health enemy or a four health enemy, you need some other way to boost your combat if you're not very good at fighting. So that first hit might land because you'll spend three resources and you deal two damage. That's great. The second attack, suddenly you've got no resources and you can't put any more money into the swing. With Preston, what Mm -hmm. you can do, you can still spend the money of, of family inheritance. If you've got no resources in your pool, you're getting the bonus damage. But you can use your inheritance yeah. to, to boost it. I like them. it so yeah. much. So much. So, so Preston... It's that idea. I've, I've not got any money, he says. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Preston could start his turn with his one resource and the four on inheritance, spend the one in his pool and one off inheritance to boost his combat by four and deal two damage. Mm-hmm. And then for a second attack, spend two off the family inheritance for another four, dealing four damage. He's still got a, a, a resource on family inheritance as well if you need it for something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If you combine that with Dark Horse, his stat lines then from the 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 low lows of ones across the board to the stellar highs of twos across the board. <laughs> Maybe we'll see more things in this cycle that play off that survivor having no resources thing. That you know, it might it might be an area that they want to expand on that could be could be really fertile for them to put some more effort into that in the design space so yeah so he's i mean it's really fascinating to me peter that you're excited by preston because when i look at him one of the things i find a little bit intimidating is that his stat line really doesn't give you any hint of where to go with him yeah which is traditionally it's been the kind of investigator that i hate (laughs) yeah you know the sort of the lola hayes threes across the board best of luck or jenny is also threes across the board to my mind and and i think i I don't want to dig too deeply into Preston because I think there's there's a lot to talk about with him and it'd be great to, to dedicate an episode mm. to him once we've had some experience of playing him. Uh, I tried mm. putting a deck together for him assuming he had rogue access except for illicit cards and survivor zero to two access. And I think mm. what, what you do is you, you look at cards where you... One thing to say is that there's only two cards in the game he can't play in a single turn which is Leo wow. level zero and the lightning gun, which I strongly suspect he can't take anyway. <laughs> because the, those are the only cards that cost six resources. Everything mm-hmm. else, can, you can either, you know, the one book you get in the upkeep and then the four on, on your inheritance, you know, that's enough to play any card in the game. So mm-hmm. to an extent, he, when you're building a deck for him, you don't need to look at the cost curve as much. So you can put the more expensive cards into your deck and just rely on his inheritance to keep playing stuff. So, which will be fascinating, yes. and then and then finally, <laughs> I, I know I've talked for a while about Preston, 
<laughs> yeah, that's good. It's when I was I looking like through the cards and thinking, well, you know, the, the cost of the cards doesn't make that much of a difference. I can just pick these. It also struck me you can lean more into cards where you pay for an automatic effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Stray yeah. Cat, which we talked about recently, like Cunning Distraction. Yeah. Like, especially Lola Santiago. Mm, yeah. So if yeah, if yeah. you don't need to test the stats, then them all being one doesn't make any difference. So slap mm. Lola down, yeah. and suddenly Preston is able to find the clue on pretty much any location in in a turn. You know, mm. if he's got to pay five, you know, doesn't matter that much. Someone else has paid a load of resources and card slots to get themselves up to five or seven intellect. Preston just throws a bit of cash to Lola. She gets the clue, and then he's he's loaded again next turn. Mm. Yes. I like it very much. And worth noting on that spend effect that I mentioned the Elder Sign, you may spend two resources to automatically succeed, which we know the power of automatic success in this game. We know how good Mateo's uh, Elder Sign effect is, which is just a straight auto success. But you just never want to be in a situation where you don't have the two resources, because if you luck into an Elder Sign and... Yeah, you could be taking a, a willpower seven check, but if you can luck into the elder sign, it doesn't matter because you still pass with your one willpower against a test difficulty of zero, essentially. Anyway, and very briefly, his weakness is lodged debt, inverted commas. Can we add that to the third card that he can't pay for in one turn? Because this is a 10 cost yes. event. So it, it, it's just a, a money sink, really. Um, not dissimilar to skids, I guess. Um, you just have mm-hmm. to pay 10. The way I would look to do this, I guess, is to just unload the money off inheritance over a couple of turns. Mm. So it's not, it's not. I don't think it's too bad. Um, it just slows you down for a couple of turns. If you've lent into that poor style of play, it maybe also really disrupts yeah. that. Where if you're wanting to be fire-axing and dark-horsing, suddenly over a couple of turns you're accumulating resources. It does go forever once you've played it as well, so... That's that's not too bad. And actually, Preston's health and sanity are 7-7. Seven, seven. So I don't think a point or two of trauma, mental trauma, is really going to be the end of the world. I'm going to take a punt here and say, if you were able to start the game with this in your hand, it would be incredibly trivial. You just play it first turn? Yeah. You already start on five resources. You get another four. Yeah, so you start on nine resources, effectively. Yeah. it's The earlier you can see this, the better in... in I would suggest you can just get get it dealt with and then rebuild, and you'll rebuild much faster than any other investigator. Yes, yeah, totally agreed. Right. And that leaves us with one, which is Joe Diamond, the private investigator. His trait is detective. He is like the proper two-fisted action hero pose, two guns, one in each hand, two willpower, four intellect, four combat, two agility. So another of our 2422 investigators, eight health and six sanity. And he reads, Forced, when the investigation phase begins, reveal the top card of your hunch deck. Until the end of the phase, you may play that card as if it were in your hand at minus two cost. If it is still revealed at the end of the phase, shuffle it back into your hunch deck. Elder sign effect plus one. You may move an insight event from your discard pile to the bottom of your hunch deck. Quiz question, Peter. How many seeker events are there that have the insight trait? <laughs> How many? Uh, can you ask me instead to name one that doesn't? <laughs> yeah, that, okay, yeah, sure. Okay, we'll I'm able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Every seeker yeah, event because has aren't. the insight trait. And yeah. a few non-seeker events also have the insight trait, but we don't know what Joe's deck building requirements are. What we know from the article is that he has a 40-card deck rather than a 30-card deck, but at the, and it must include a certain number of insight events, I think 11. And at the start of the game, you take 10 insights out of his deck and put them into this hunch deck along with his weakness, his signature weakness, mm-hmm. which maybe we should look at before we go any further. Yes, yes, please do. So this is a four-cost event. It's Unsolved Case. It's insight and mystery traded. It says, place one of your clues on the location with the highest shroud. Remove unsolved case from the game. It's worth noting this is an event. So it's like a dark memory in Agnes. You have to spend the action and the resources to play it. 
And it then reads, Forced, if unsolved case would be shuffled into your hunch deck, add it to your threat area instead. For the remainder of the game, it gains Forced. When the game ends, Joe Diamond earns two fewer experience for this scenario. So if this crops up on the top of Joe's hunch deck, he can play it by spending an action for two resources. And then he gets yeah, the one of his clues disappears onto the highest shroud location. And this can is you, gone. Can you play it off your hunch deck, even if you have no clues? I saw a discussion of this, that you, the placing of the clues isn't the cost. That's the effect. So the cost is the, the full cost and the action. If you can't place a clue onto a location with a higher shroud, then you can't play it. No, 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 no. I think that placing of the clue is the effect. So you could still spend two resources mm, you and can't an action. Play a card unless you can... Unless it will impact the game state, though, right? You can't. Doesn't it impact the game state by you losing two resources? I always get confused That's about the impact cost the game of state. the cards. You don't include that in assessing the change to the game state. The unsolved case would be removed from the game. Well, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I saw a discussion around it, which seemed to imply that you could do this without a clue. But say, let's say we were playing at the time and we're grim ruling yeah. here, because I, I could be way off base. In which case, we would want to include cards in our deck that could get us clues either testlessly or very quickly. And we would definitely need to hoard at least one clue because otherwise we get completely blasted that, that's by it. unsolved case. Frank, sorry, I don't want to get too bogged down into the minutiae of rules. Lodge debts. No, Lodge do, debts, do. the only effect on that is to remove itself from the game. So it could be that removing it mm-hmm. from the game is satisfies the effect or the requirement for it to have an effect on yes. the game state. So yeah, you, you could look out and draw this when you have no clues. I I think the argument I saw was it wasn't a then remove yeah, unsolved yeah. case, so it didn't require the first clause that to That would happen. make sense to me, yeah. Anyway. So, but then, weirdly, it might feed into a way of playing where you don't get clues because you'd want to get rid of unsolved case. But the important thing to note is that at the end of every turn, you have to shuffle your hunch deck, so you only get one turn when this turns up on the top of your hunch deck to yes. deal with it. So you do have to sort of be ready to spring into action and deal with it. Yes, yes, absolutely, yeah. Or risk sacrificing some experience. Mm, yeah, which is which is horrible. His signature positive card is the Detective's Colt 1911s. It's a four-cost asset with intellect, combat, and wild icons. It uses four ammo, and it says up to two tool assets you control do not take up hand slots. And the article nicely revealed another tool asset for us. And then it has an action, spend an ammo to fight. You get plus one combat and deal plus one damage for this attack. If this attack defeats an enemy, you may move an insight event from your discard pile to the bottom of your hunch deck. And it's double-handed because it's two guns. So you can't carry... Four guns, assuming this is two guns, no. unless you also have a bandolier or something like that. Uh, but you can carry this yeah. and uh, flashlight as a tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fingerprint kit, which was spoiled in the article that this was, um, Joe was announced in, that's also a tool. Yeah. So yeah, th- there's a few tools around. Um, I quite like magnifying it. glass is a tool. Yeah, I think that's that, that's good. I like that a lot, and it's quite a nice a nice weapon actually. Five fight and two damage. So Joe is another contender for Guardian Access, I would say, with his high combat. He would make an interesting... I know some people have said this. It's it's a flip of uh, Roland. If, say, he's 0-5 to five Seeker and 0-2 to two Guardian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, some of the insight events in Guardian, scene of the crime, evidence is an insight event. But we were talking about this off-air... The really weird thing about the hunch deck is even if you pack it with great insight events, you know, I've got a plan, working a hunch, shortcut, you don't have them when you want them. You only get one a turn to use that turn or lose. I mean, you don't lose, you shuffle it back in. So the turn when you suddenly are engaged with an enemy and you want to play scene of the crime for free, you might have a completely different card, you know, a shortcut on the top of your hunch deck. And then the turn that you really need to fight and you want, I've got a plan you might end up with working a hunch or whatever it is. So the hunch deck is going to be a really interesting way of forcing you into a slightly different playstyle. And I'm going to nick something you said. It's really going to force you as the private investigator to follow your hunches and let them give you guidance about where you should go and what you should do. Yeah. 
No, I, 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 I agree. Yeah, I, I like that way, and I can't wait to see how it feels when I'm playing as Joe. Mm. That, that's that's yeah. quite exciting. I think there'll be those clutch moments where, say, you're in a five or five shrouded location, and the top hunch is working a hunch which you get for free. It's just it's just a card fast. It's not even taking up a card slot in your deck because it's in your hunch deck just to get the clue and move on. And you'll be like, yes, that was amazing. And then I think there'll also be times where you're short on resources or you've just been hit by a paranoia, say, and unsolved case turns up. No, (laughs) why? I'm getting rid of the... I was just about to advance or maybe you have just advanced and yeah, we've got the ruling wrong. Yeah, there's going to be the highs and lows of the life of the private investigator. Cool. We think we know the sixth investigator in Circle Undone, but we're not going to talk about him or her now. Yes, I'm sure we will get a chance to talk about the last investigator at some point in the future. But I think there's plenty to be... This episode is already long enough. (laughs) Mm. Let us know, if you can remember it, what you think about Eldritch Inspiration. Oh yes, God, we talked about that as well, didn't we? And let us know which investigator you're most excited to play with and maybe something we've missed that'd be Great to hear what you think. You can email us. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the flame on Facebook and Twitter. We're also drawn to the flame on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash drawn to the flame if you want to support the cast and become a patron. And you can also come and play with us at Arkham in Flames, which is on the 9th and 10th of March this year. So two months, basically. And we're busy working on adding new and exciting things to that. Tickets will be in the episode description peter how can people get in touch with you i am uh unitled everywhere u-n-i-t-l-e-d god i, I didn't say that very well u-n-i-t-l-e-d and i'm on twitter i'm on the reddit i'm on discord so say hello if you see me how about you frank how can people get in touch with you i'm zooey glass on discord and i'm fb on twitter that's e-p-h underscore b-e-e and i'm generally around the place you know message me where you see me yeah Thanks very much for listening.